Well, we are really, really excited to be able to be open in the building for the second Sunday in a row. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And obviously things are different, <laughs> but, uh, but one way or the other, it is good to be together and with those of you who are online. And I just want to ask as well, if you would maybe, and online you could do the same, uh, to just give a thank you again to all the people who work so hard to make all this happen behind the scenes and up front and the ushers and the just, as I said last week, and those of you who work in a business environment or wherever it is you work or if you're, you know, trying to figure out stuff for school for the coming year and all that sort of stuff, that uh, one of the things that's very, very difficult in this season, I mentioned this last week is that it seems like right now everybody's having to do double the amount of effort to get about half the amount of results. And that's so frustrating for us all in so many ways. And so uh, thank you so much for making the effort to come out in the rain and being with us. And we're so glad everybody is with us online as well. Well, today we start a brand new series called all things new because we serve a God of new beginnings. And so I want to ask, uh, est-ce que vous êtes prêts pour la question? Are you ready for the question? And, and uh, we'll, we'll do it like this. How many of you are ready to study God's word today? Okay. Now we're going to be in the very last book of the Bible, can you believe it? We are going to look at Revelation again. Yikes. Uh, I know we, uh, we did a big series for those of you who are new around here or missed some of May and June. We started on May 17th, I believe it was, and for four Sundays and, uh, and devotionals in the middle of the week, and we also on May 24th did an online live, Facebook live question and answer session to take any of your questions about the book of Revelation and, uh, and did our best, because uh, obviously there are so many questions, and, uh, and so if you missed that, you can find that on any of our online formats uh, at mw.church, watch, you can look on our Facebook page, on our, on our uh, YouTube page, on Vimeo, whatever platform works for you, and you can find that. And if you have trouble finding that series and you'd like to watch that series on Revelation and the Mark of the Beast, you just let us know and we'll help you find it. And, uh, but, but today, for whatever reason, I, I admit that in this crazy, chaotic world in which we live right now, that I, I seem to be drawn to the book of Revelation again and again. And, and my favorite chapter is one that we looked at in the question and answer session and talked about somewhat in detail, but we didn't cover it in any of the Sunday morning teachings because my favorite chapter is Revelation chapter 21. And it speaks of the end of time and what will happen when this world, as we know it, comes to an end. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That is God's promise for your future when you are in Christ Jesus. But all throughout the Bible, we also find that that is God's promise for your present as well. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series, how God wants to make things new in our lives. And we're going to cover a lot of different areas over the next month and a half or so. But today, we're going to talk about how God wants to give you a new name. They say that the sweetest sound in any language is the sound of your own name. That's why it means something to us when someone remembers our name. Especially if it's somebody who's a really big deal, like, ooh, they know my, my name. I, I don't know if you like the name that your parents gave you or that you were born with. Uh, some, your names are easier to pronounce and spell than others. Some of you, your name is, you know, Smith or uh, LeBlanc or Steves or, uh, or Johnson, but I was not blessed with one of those simple-to-spell names. My name doesn't look like it sounds or sounds like it looks. In fact, just to put it on the screen to show you how bad it is, people don't know what to do with it. And so, uh, so what I love is when, when, and the way that we pronounce it is just plain old Gorvette, like Corvette, but it doesn't look like that. And so I love it when I get a call from a telemarketer. Or when I, get a, I go to the doctor's office and, and, and somebody's reading my name and they're trying to pronounce it, and I never help them. <laughs> never. I, it's just like, we're going to let them figure it out. Because I never know what they're going to come up with. And so I get all kinds. I get uh, uh, Gorviot, uh, Gorvit, Gorvetti. That's one of the most common. Gorvetti. Sometimes I've heard people add an A on the end. Gorvettia which is a whole new syllable, or my absolute favorite, and I've only heard it about two or three times, but I've heard it a few times, and, and I love this one the best. There are some people who want to make sure to pronounce every single vowel individually, and so I have heard Mr. Gorviate. That one sounds sophisticated. That's my absolute favorite one. It kind of sounds Italian, doesn't it? Signor Gorviate, would you like a de pepper? Uh, and so, uh, but no, it's just plain old Gorvette. But whatever you think of the name that you have, here in Revelation 3, we are going to see that God wants to give a new name to the Christians in the Roman city of Philadelphia. Now here on the map, you can see some of the ancient world. And Philadelphia was in what is called in today, present day, Turkey. 
But in, at that point, it was in the Roman Empire. Here, just for context, I put a star on the map where Jerusalem is, right between the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. And, uh, and so Philadelphia was kind of northwest of Jerusalem. And, and if you know, many of you know this, especially because there is a Philadelphia on the east coast of North America in the States, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, and, and because of that, many people know what the name Philadelphia actually means in the original language. You see, in Greek, there were three words for love. And so if you know the Bible, you studied all this, then you, you're familiar with the three words in the Bible uh, or the three Greek terms for love. There was agape, eros, and phileo. And phileo means what? You know, brotherly love, right? And so Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. Oh, isn't that pretty? But here's the, here's the thing. In reality, Philadelphia was a city that was in chaos. Because this Roman city had been built on a geological fault line. And being on that fault line, it was often rocked by earthquakes. And so, in order to really understand what's going on here in Revelation chapter 3, in order to really understand what Jesus is saying to these Christians who live in the Roman city of Philadelphia, it's helpful to know about these earthquakes. And so what happened is this poor city would get destroyed over and over again. People would have to evacuate their homes, run for cover, and then after the destruction, the city would have to be rebuilt, and then they would move back in again. And so these were a people who were used to living in the midst of rubble and chaos, in fact, listen to this quote from a historian named Strabo, uh, which I love that name too. It sounds like he should be the, the cousin of Fabio, the supermodel. I, I, I don't know. But, but Strabo lived in 64 BC. He was born until 21 AD, which puts him at the time that Jesus was a young man. That, that Here's what Strabo said 2,000 years ago. He said, Philadelphia has no trustworthy walls. But daily, in one direction or another, they keep tottering and falling apart. What would it feel like to live in a place like that? Now, fortunately, the Roman government had been kind to Philadelphia. And the, because of the many earthquakes, the Roman Caesar had given them a break on their taxes for a season. And out of gratitude, they began to call the city Neo-Caesarea, which means the new city of Caesar. And then there was another Caesar who came into power. Later, his name was, uh, was uh, Vespasian Flavia, the, the, the beginning of the Flavian dynasty, in the Roman Empire, which was around 69 AD. And so in order to gain his favor, they began calling themselves Philadelphia Flavia. 
They were also often confused with a Philadelphia that was in present-day Amman, Jordan. They were also called Little Athens because people thought the architecture reminded them of Greece. Today, the city is called uh, Alashehir uh, in Turkey. And so, are you getting the idea? Why do I bring this up? Because this was a people, this was a city that was often struggling with an identity crisis trying to figure out who they are, who to pay tribute to, who to follow, whose favor to earn, who to be popular, who to elevate, who to minimize. And and in the midst of it, they were living in chaos and fear. I, I wonder, can I just stop and ask, does this sound familiar at all? Does this sound anything at all like the year 2020? I mean, to me, it just reminds me of how our world is being shaken right now, like an earthquake that is shaking things up and people we see in in chaos and fear. And I want you to imagine in that environment, if you were Christians in, in the church that was in this city, Philadelphia, imagine being in that particular church as the pastor of Philadelphia got up and read the words of Jesus to these people. Revelation 3, verse 12. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. Remember, these were people who often had to evacuate and and rebuild, and their homes were always in. He says, no more earthquakes that you have to run away from out of your home. I will write on you the name of my God and the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on you my name. And so Jesus says, you won't have to struggle with your identity anymore trying to figure out who you are because Jesus says, I will give you a new name, my name, an unchanging name, and you will become citizens of of an eternal city that will never be shaken and you will no longer have to evacuate. You will no longer have to run for safety. You will no longer run to hide. No more chaos and fear because you will become part of a pillar in the temple of my God. Isn't that good news to a people in a troubled time? And so let's go back to the beginning and see the whole thing in context. Because in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus gives seven specific messages to seven individual churches in that area that we looked at in the map around Philadelphia called Asia Minor. And and Philadelphia was the sixth church that received one of the seven messages to each individual church that was specifically a word for them and what they were going through in their community as Christians. And so let's go back to the beginning of this, this whole thing where Jesus begins the particular message to the Philadelphian church in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, 
These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Now, now, now stop. That phrase, the key of David, actually comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Because 700 years before Jesus was born and, and almost 800 years before Revelation was written, the prophet in Isaiah chapter 22 said, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. Jesus holds the keys. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Jesus wants to remind the Philadelphians that God is the one who holds the key to your future no matter what the world says. And as you continue in, in verse 8, Jesus says, For I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you this, this open door that no one can shut. I, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Jesus says, when you are faithful to me, in the midst of what you're going through, that I will begin to open doors for you that no one can shut. And what that means is you don't have to live and act and respond like the people in this world do. Jesus says, you don't have to fight for yourself and, and get angry at people who don't treat you right and, 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 and demand and push and manipulate people like everybody else in this world does. Jesus says, you don't need to be like the people of this world because I'm in control. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of it for you. And even if things don't turn out the way that you hope they will, that God is good and your destiny is secure in him. Oh, that's a good word for a people in a time of trouble. And Jesus says in scripture over and over again, Jesus says, because my sheep know my voice and they follow me. They, they hear the voices of the world, but only follow the voice of Jesus. I, I, I wonder if we have any, any football fans uh, here in the house or online today. Uh, have you ever watched an, an NFL football game where after a play is run, the, the quarterback will kind of walk off, not listening to everybody else for a minute, will just kind of walk off and put their hands over the ear holes of their helmet. Have you ever seen that? Or, or sometimes they'll stick their finger in their ear. And it's not because they have wax. It's not because they're dizzy or, or, or confused. What they are doing is listening to a little speaker that is in their helmet that has a direct line to the offensive coach. And so, so you do not see that coach down on the field or down on the sidelines because the offensive coach is up in the stands, way up high near the press box, with a microphone connected to that speaker in the helmet, in the, in the ear of the quarterback. And so... so 
up there, up high above the field, that coach can see things that the player cannot see. And so, so what happens is that player needs to listen to the coach giving orders and directions to the player because up high he can see the field in a whole new way. Isn't that beautiful? And so listen, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says that, 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 that if you will listen to my voice, I have a perfect view of the whole field. And even when I call you to run a play and do things that just don't make sense to you, that sound so different from what the world says to do, even still, you can trust me because I've got a view of the field and can see things that you cannot see. Listen to my voice. But even still, the Philadelphians are having problems. These Christians were being persecuted in their community. Verse 9, Jesus says to them, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole earth to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. You see, they were being persecuted because of their belief in Jesus. People in the synagogue were giving the Christians a hard time. But verse 12, Jesus says, I know what you've been going through and I have a promise for you. Verse 12, him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. And so here's what's really cool. I can't wait to share this with you. This is so good. You didn't see this one coming. I promise. Are you ready? A few hundred years after these words were written in Revelation, the Christians in Philadelphia built a massive basilica, a, a, a beautiful, huge church. Huge. And guess what happened? Yet again, earthquakes rocked the city, and most of that church fell down. And I wonder, what, what might be the only thing standing today of the ancient city of Philadelphia? What, what, what remaining part of a structure might there be? Do you want to guess the one thing that's still standing from ancient times? Let me read again from verse 12 and see if you can guess what is left in ancient Philadelphia. Him who overcomes, I will make a what? I will make a... Everybody say, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Let me show you a picture of the single remaining structure in all of ancient Philadelphia. These pillars are from that ancient basilica, that church. 
In fact, there are three of them. There's another one over here to the right that, that wouldn't fit in the, in the picture. There are three. Dare we call them the Trinitarian pillars <laughs> that remain all that's left of ancient Philadelphia. How cool is that? And so whatever you're going through here today, here's, here's what I want to tell you. The only thing that can root and anchor you is when you build your life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. L listen, you need to understand your identity in Christ. Your identity, Jesus says, is not that you're from the city of Philadelphia. Or, or, or Moncton, or wherever you call home. Your identity is not that you're a Roman citizen, he said. Or it's not that you're a Canadian citizen, or whatever you are. Your identity is not from your sports team, or, or your hobbies, or, or your, 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 your group of friends, or your political affiliation. Unlike what this world says, your identity is not based upon your attractions or, or your sexual desires. Your, your identity is not Moncton Wesleyan Church your, or, or Baptist or, or Catholic. Your identity is not about being red or yellow, black or white, because ultimately, in the end, Jesus says that we are going to have to put aside all those other identities, that in the end, we're going to have to put aside all the other names that we have carried or that this world has tried to put on us so that he can give us a new name. He wants to write upon on us his name so that we can be prepared for his eternal city, the new Jerusalem. And so here's the point. Here's, here's the message for today. The problem, I think, that, that causes so much of our stress is that we set our sight on the present but God needs us to set more of our focus on eternity. And, and that changes things. That, that, that we are so focused on temporary things and what's going on right now. But Jesus says, when you have the end in mind, heavenly things, it, it, it's about an eternal perspective, a, a biblical perspective, a Jesus-centered perspective is what will keep you going in the midst of trials and tribulations. In 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, I, oh, this is so powerful that I think it would be important for us to read it out loud. Uh, there is power in the spoken word. That's one of the things that I miss together. It's not just singing together, but it's, it's speaking God's word together. And so would you take hold of this as a promise? I'm going to read it for you first so that you know what you're about to say. I don't want to trick you into saying something that you don't want to believe. But 2 Corinthians says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outward we, outwardly we are wasting away. Yet 
inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. See, God doesn't just give you everything you need for, for the whole month or for the whole year, but God promises he will give you what you need for today. For today. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Would you read it with me? Let's read that together out loud. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so if you're here in the room today, would you go ahead and stand? And if you're online with us right now, wherever you are, would you just quiet your heart? Maybe you're sitting in a room with your family or, or a friend. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe it's even later in the week that you're watching this I just want to ask wherever you are, whatever you're doing, could you just take a quiet moment and I want you to close your eyes online right now. If you just close your eyes and I want you to just listen. What is, what is it that God is speaking to you today? I don't know about you, but for me, the voices of the world right now are screaming so loudly. And in the midst of the voices of this world, it can be harder to hear the voice of God. And so I invite you to listen. What is he saying to you today? just been trying to listen myself to see, Lord, what do you want to say to your people today? And I, what I felt like I heard was, Joel, there are people right now who have tried to live as faithful Christians. They want to hear the 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 words of Jesus to the Philadelphian church about being faithful in the midst of their trials and tribulations. But in these last few months of discouragement, 
something's got a hold of them. And if there's anybody right now who this is relevant for, that something's got a hold of you, an addiction, an addiction that's, that's got its claws back in you again, a lie that you've started to believe again, that you thought you had put away, but in this difficult season, it's back. Maybe something you're ashamed of that you would be horrified for people to know right now. What you have allowed to slip back into your life. I'm here to tell you the voice of the Lord, the word of God to you today is forgiveness and freedom is in Jesus. Forgiveness and freedom is in Jesus. And so right now, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Whatever it is they're going through, whatever discouragement, whatever, whatever bondage, right now, if you want to, we can close our eyes around the room, and if you're online right now, even in your room, maybe, would, would you just raise your hand if you say, I need forgiveness and freedom in Jesus today. And we're going to pray for you. We're not going to ask, you know, who tell us what it is. We're just saying, if you want forgiveness and freedom, amen. 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 Anybody else? Amen. I see you. I see you. Amen. And so right now in your heart, the Bible says that freedom comes from confession. And so right now, tell him. Say, Lord, I confess. I've let this thing from the past get its claws in me again. But I want freedom today. I'm not going back to the way things are because I have been given a new name. The name of my God is written upon me. He has made me to be a pillar in the temple of my God that cannot be shaken no matter how this worth, this old world, this earth rumbles and shakes that I will stand firm and so right now, confess him. Confess that sin in your life. And right now, just say, I choose Jesus. Come in and wash me clean. Break the chains. Break the bondage. I confess and I receive your forgiveness because of what Jesus did for me. I am washed clean. He paid the price on the cross so that I can be forgiven and set free. And I receive it in the name of Jesus. May his name be written on me that I am sealed by his blood. I am protected by his spirit. I am empowered and guided by the truth of your word and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And so right now, we lift up the name of Jesus in this place. 
And we declare that you, Lord, are the cornerstone, the firm foundation upon which we build our lives. So that when the earthquakes come and the, when the world is shaken, we can stand firm with our identity in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's lift it up.